Welcome, everybody, to Bayjack and Brown Hoops Up and Down Podcast. Uh, welcome to our late night edition. Joining me is our host, Bob Bayjack. Bob, how are you and your family doing this evening? We're doing great, Theus. How about you? Uh, doing fantastic. Uh, just here, um, kind of on a, a difficult day, Bob. I think we're, you know, of course, we're doing this edition in, uh, can we call this maybe, I know not to steal the thunder from basketball by association maybe we should call this the uh jacob blake edition because of the of course the boycotts that are going around the sports world not only in the nba and the wnba uh, but what are your thoughts i know that you first uh tipped us off and our listeners off last night by the article from slam magazine and then reported by espn about the possibility of teams or certain organizations boycotting what what are your takes on what we saw in the aftermath it's not too surprising, Theus. I mean, this has been something that's been going on for years and years. You've had systemic racism, racism in this country, even after the Civil War until now. There's some people say, oh, the Civil War ended slavery. That is true. But there have been systems in place that have kept us disunited and um, just keeping people down unjustly. We've had it for the civil rights movement in the 60s and 70s. We've had it um, back in Los Angeles in 1992, and we've had a lot of incidences within the last eight years with Michael Brown and, and yes. a lot of a lot of these other people that just keeps, keeps happening to us. And I mean, you think that after George Floyd, things will get better, and there's just been more incidents. And I was just reading how in Kenosha, I guess there was a white teenager who was 17 he had yeah he had a gun i believe it was an um ar-15 or or ak-15 i don't know i'm not that good with guns but he had an assault rifle and he i guess he shot two people to death and police let him go so i i don't understand it's just like madness out there and if you think about how there's a lot of um diverse people of color in the nba you know these are their communities these are their friends and family when when they leave the court they're seen as another black or brown man, and they're seen as a threat. Um, Sterling Brown, who's somebody on the the Bucks, he experienced this. That's a great point, Bob. He experienced an episode, Theus. I don't know if you knew about this, but two years ago, the Milwaukee yes. police, I guess, jumped him for some reason or another outside of a convenience store at night. Um, it's, it's just crazy. And I think they were thinking, because th- there's been a lot of people, especially um, ones who doubt what kind of difference does having Black Lives Matter on the court, on jerseys, other um, sayings like for just, you know, social justice reform, um, economic reform, education reform, equality, things like that, that it's only something on a jersey and it doesn't mean anything. But what they're doing right now, boycotting games, I hear tomorrow, potentially, there might not be any games. I think that's a big statement. Theus, what do you think about these yeah. things? Absolutely, Bob. And, you know, to piggyback on that, your point with Sterling Brown, I don't know if you're aware, uh, Sterling Brown's father is actually a police chief in Maywood, Illinois. So, of course, you know that, you know, uh, Sterling is the younger brother of Shannon Brown, but their father and their family has a law enforcement background. So that's kind of what made it even more ironic in that isolated incident. I'm also in Milwaukee, Bob. uh, The former Senator John Henson was also falsely accused of attempting to uh, rob a jury store. It It seemed like it was right before the Sterling 
ground incident. Uh, so you saw multiple incidents with, you know, Milwaukee's not a very big town, Bob, but you've seen multiple incidents of athletes right there in that city being unjustly treated. And I know, Bob, we're going to get the narrative from some of our listeners and, uh, you know, people on social media saying, you know, sports is our outlet, sports is our way to kind of get away from these things. Uh, but as you so eloquently pointed that, uh, you know, the, the inju- that we would think that the world would get better after George Floyd, uh, after Breonna Taylor, which, you know, as Doc Rivers stated, is still mind boggling. There still have been no arrests made in Breonna Taylor's uh, tragic shooting. And we do, we do have, Bob, I did find out, I'm not sure if you heard this also, there are a few Illinois connections. It seems that uh, uh, Jacob Blake was actually raised in Evanston. Were you aware of that? I was not. That's that's just a little outside of where um, I used to live. Yes, and also with this young man, the 17-year-old that was charged, which they deemed as a, being a vigilante, um, he was actually is from Lake County. Um, so again, I'm not... You know, certainly not on our podcast, Bob. This is a Hoops podcast. I'm not trying to play conspiracy theorists, but it kind of raises the, the ones to wonder about sometimes the paid organized crime and the shadow governments that, how does a young man get an AR-16 like that? How does a man, a young man at 17 years old, be in possession of an assault rifle and then be able to be let go by the police after uh, shooting two people and killing them? How, how does that happen? I, just, I, I don't know if this. We're we're in some pretty dark times. I, I do think what the NBA is doing, and we got to give a shout out to the WNBA. You know, they're a smaller, smaller league trying to get some traction right now, and you know they they have less money um, compared to the NBA players, and they decided not to play tonight. And I mean, I do think that they're trying to make their communities a better place and um, show just how important women's sports are as a vehicle for change. Uh, and just shout out to Major League Baseball. There were three different games that were canceled tonight as well. And Mookie Betts, who's um, this is probably the second best player in baseball, helped I guess the the Dodgers to make a decision not not to play today, and they're standing standing by him. Um, I don't know. I I think this might help this if you think about this. Sports is a big business, a big industry if these games are not played, it's going to hurt networks and it's going to hurt ownership. Uh, and these are people that have big influence with local state and federal governments. Maybe if you heard them in the pocketbooks, people be more willing to make real change. Yeah, Bob, and the grand scheme of things, just in my opinion, I think this is what a lot of people were waiting for in the African-American community and also other people who have lots of experience in community services and civil rights movements is that it's one thing, Bob, to put Black Lives Matters on the court. It's one thing to, you know, wear a T-shirt. But as you you put it or stated earlier, this is where it's really going to hurt organizations and associations in the pocketbook by not having the games. Yes, there's no fans in the stadium, but the TV, ESPN, ABC loses the viewership of the games. And now what are they going to show? A rerun of Dorothy and Toto or something that's not going to draw exact ratings. Uh, but as you know, and the thing is that this is where you make real statements. This is where you get people to pay attention and actually take action. Um, this is the point where people can just stop talking and wearing T-shirts and actually 
get into action and do something within their own communities and to get this to stop because it's not about sports it's not about um you know our entertainment value but it's a senseless cause that has been happening like you said quite too frequently uh in the last 90 days definitely uh we just got some reporting from sham sharania of the athletic about an hour ago the players had okay. a meeting where everybody voted if they're going to continue the season or not so it was 28 to 2 to continue the season but it's very interesting because the two teams that voted no are probably the two favorites in the lakers and clippers and that doesn't surprise me bob as definitely i'm not sure if you had a chance to see doc rivers uh interview with the press yesterday it was very riveting and very moving i mean he really spoke with a lot of raw passion emotion about you know and basically his statement was it's just outside of what people keep saying and disputing the same things over and over he just wants to see law enforcement uphold the constitution and actually serve and protect and not and not kill and seek us people out and hunt people down and kill them in broad daylight yes uh, but Bob, uh, uh, moving, uh, moving forward, and like I said, we definitely want to have this special edition, episode four. And as Bob uh, always eloquently says, three is more than two, but two is more than zero. Uh, we went backwards in our episodes. So we accidentally, myself, went from episode 3.5 to five. So we're going backwards. So yes, five is more than four, but four is more than three and a half. So Bob, we did see some coaching moves. Uh, my beloved New Orleans Pelicans, I feel unjustly let Alvin Gentry lead him of his duties. Uh, as expected, we saw the Philadelphia 76ers let Brett Brown go. And unfortunately, yesterday, I think today was a shocker for you and me both, Bob, is that Nate McMillan uh, was also given his walking papers by the Indiana Pacers. Uh, amid a roster, Bob, that we talked about off air that was decimated with injuries from the all-star DeMontis Sabonis. Uh, from a young journeyman who started to come into his own, Jeremy Lamb, and also the on and off health of Victor Oladipo. Yes. Bob, I would just, like I guess you said, we were stunned by this move. What do you feel Larry Bird and the Pacers front office, what are they trying to accomplish? Or what What would be the best direction for the team to go? I'm, I'm wondering, Theus, because we know Nate McMillan, he's a player's coach and he's a coach um, defensively but they don't really have good offense. And the league right now, you see a lot of these playoff games, 120, 130, 140 points. Maybe they want somebody who could get more out of out of offenses, probably pushing pushing the pace, maybe shooting more threes. Um, you do have people who are, can drive or do the mid-range, so maybe that would be a healthier offense to even shoot a little more threes. That, that would be my guess. But, Bob, it seems like with their roster, we didn't even mention the president, the former Rookie of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon. With that offense and the free agents they brought in with guys that are capable shooters, certainly TJ McConnell and my personal favorite, Doug McDermott, Dougie McBuckets out of Creighton, Omaha, Nebraska. They have that roster, Bob, to do that. But, again, when you're missing – I mean, I could compare them, Bob, almost to the Brooklyn Nets, right? Yes. I mean, Brooklyn was missing – That's a very fair – Six to seven – I'm sorry. That's a very fair comparison. Yeah, I mean, they were missing six to seven players, and I believe Indiana was in upwards of that same amount. So, I, and it, I guess 
in hindsight, Bob, we're looking at Jock Bond is in position to maybe lose his job too. So I guess maybe that's what it is. Maybe maybe he'll go to the Pacers. Who who knows? I do think <laughs> I do like what Jock Vaughn has done with the Nets. I know we've talked about this in a previous one, but helping them be very competitive in the bubble, I mean that's a huge accomplishment, especially when they're outgunned, outmanned by a very hungry Raptors team that looks like they could possibly repeat. And he just made it sure that the team was just professional and just moving on forward. Yeah, and it's kind of hard, Bob, to see what direction. I know Larry Bird is, has stepped back in, in his role and position in Indiana. I know the last time that he hired uh, Isaiah Thomas and then I believe replaced him with Rick Carlisle. Was that correct? I think so, yep. <clears throat> and a lot of the players I've heard, Jalen Rose and some people say that they think that was a detrimental mistake that they think Isaiah Thomas had built the right foundation there, kind of like the Mark Jackson and Steve Kerr comparison in Golden State. Uh, but also, Bob, down in New Orleans, my beloved Pelicans, who I think, you know, set Alvin Gentry up to set him up at the state, you know what I mean, to get him, you know, persecuted and, and removed from the team. Uh, what do you think maybe their best option? What kind of coach, Bob, necessarily would fit that style? With Alonzo Ball, with Zion Williamson, is there a coach out there, a younger coach, or maybe one of the older coaches that could finally fit that style for that team? I, I do think the coaches that are on the benches for the LA teams could possibly do that. They were both guards. We're talking about Tyrone Liu and Jason Kidd. They would probably have to get more faith in Lonzo Ball to, to push the pace, depending if they want to keep him, because I know you were talking about how the Pelicans might want to move on from Lonzo. I think that's a mistake. But maybe somebody who has a guard background, or at least um, somebody who had control of an offense if they were a point forward. Um, I don't know. I thought Gentry was ran out. I agree with you. Um, in his five seasons, he was 175 one, or and 225. But, you know, they, two years ago, they were against the Warriors in the second round. I think they even stole a game. But just since then... I think game one, right? Yeah, exactly. No, they didn't win game one. They won game two. Yes. Um, but they, um, I mean, remember when AD wanted out, he wanted out, he do, would Absolutely. just sign the Supermax and he was with LeBron. That, that definitely was tampering. I am glad that LeBron's kind of teaming up with AD, but I mean, what happened on the team, it kind of sabotaged Gentry and the others and everybody got traded out and he had a new team though. There were a lot of injury problems, especially with Zion and, it didn't shake out that way. I think it was just injury luck, but I think his team was ready to play. You had very key players in Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram step up their games, take that next step. I do think they had good pieces, so I'm just surprised they would just run him out. I'm just wondering, too, since he is an older coach, Theus, maybe they, they're just going in a younger direction. Maybe they would want some of these young assistants, like we've talked about, Becky Hammond or... Um, Mduke or um, Mar- um, I'm, I'm forgetting his name, but I mean, you know, oh, okay. we talked about a few of these coaches and maybe yeah. they want to go in that direction. It, it's very hard to know, Theus, because Gentry, I think, should have had another year. He, he's been a basketball lifer who I think could impart good wisdom um, on that team. And I guess they just decided to, to move on. 
and I guess in this aspect, Bob, too, I guess with the social unjust on a lot lesser note in the NBA, it's kind of disheartening, you know, to see the African-American coaches continuously get fired and not get second chances, i.e., you know, we're talking about Jacques Vaughn being on the verge of having some job security and maybe not seeing Alvin Gentry and Nate McMillan get fired when they're suit. But like you said earlier, the NBA and WNBA are 70 to 75 percent African-American and yet they still do not have not even one minority owner of a team. And I think uh, Ajari, I'm, I'm forgetting the young man's name in Toronto, is one of the only uh, GMs and presidents in the league. Yes. Um, and it's so disheartening. Yeah, it's so disheartening to continuously see, you know, of course, we've always talked about the Mark Jackson situation. And then uh, it seems sometimes Bernie Bickerstaff Jr. will get an interim job. I think he was in Houston before D'Antoni got there and yes. served for a little bit. We've seen Paul Silas, but like you just named, Bob, there are so many young uh, African-American coaches, female coaches. Sam Cassell is another name, Bob, and the Los Angeles Clippers that has a wealth of knowledge has been on Doc Rivers' coaching staffs in Boston and L.A., won a championship as a player. And I believe he was in the G League for a while, too, Theus, as a coach. Yeah, and, and it doesn't make sense, Bob, because we saw, it's kind of ironic, but Jerry Stackhouse... Uh, who is now coaching Vanderbilt, he actually won the D-League championship with the uh, Toronto Raptors. I, I, think the, I forget the team's name. Is it the 89ers or whatever they're called in G-League? So you've seen collegiate um, universities take a shot. Jason Terry, Bob, also just got the assistant, head assistant job at Arizona. So these former players have paid their dues in the G-League you know, as assistants and are getting recognized overseas. And why why is the NBA still not giving them their fair shake, I wonder? Some of it might be opportunity because we know that for a long time there have been a lot of white coaches that have been in those assistant roles and been promoted. Some of it might be that people are not being as open in their hiring practices. Maybe sometimes people think, well, for someone to think like me, they have to look like me. And when we know that is not the case, and what that does is just perpetuate, uh, you know, it perpetuates uh, stereotypes. It's systematic racism, yeah, yes. like you said so, earlier. So um, I don't know. I, I do hope teams like like the Bulls would be good to get a person of color as a coach. I think the only one has been Bill Cartwright, and he only had a year and a half of just a very disastrous team before I believe something. Ah, Bob, I don't think no one could hear what Bill Cartwright was saying over that voice. Well, I mean, yeah, that, that was just <laughs> nuts. I, you know, he was he was almost there to fail, unfortunately, because he was an assistant for a few years and he was respected. But again, no one, no one could help fix that mess. Um, Bob, do you think the players had flashbacks and thought they are watching Sesame Street and Oscar the Grouch was talking to them running plays? Yeah, no, that, that that's definitely Coach that. Probably Thibodeau, too, from, from what I hear. And then Boylan would be the worst who even had the least amount of tact with any of those guys. Um, I don't know, Theus. Bob, are you having the Chicago Bulls meltdown right now as we speak? <laughs> <It's not laughs> but I do I do think that, um, you know, maybe some of these hiring practices are going to be uh, reviewed. The, the Bulls do have a black general manager. I think that's a good positive step. Um, we know that Arturis Karnasovis, he is um, he is somebody from um, Eastern Europe, so he's getting an opportunity. Like I do think the NBA is trying to be more open. It's just going to be difficult. Maybe some of it too. Like you were talking about how Michael Jordan 
is the only black owner in the NBA. Everybody else is white. So again, it might be groupthink. A lot of these guys are in private business, Theus, and I guess just with those companies, maybe they're doing the same hiring practices. So it, it could just be, you know, it could just be what they're used to. And it's just a carryover, like you said earlier, Bob, from the, the uh, you know, the selective hiring. We see that every day in everyday life in corporations and companies. And it's no different when you're dealing with billionaires and millionaires uh, in the NBA. Definitely. And then, Bob, you, too, you, you know, we spoke about, I know, Alvin Gentry and the, I know we kind of spoke at length on past episodes about Jock Vaughn's situation. Have you heard anything or read anything new about New Jersey? I'm sorry, New Jersey, Brooklyn? I haven't. I, I do think that they want to move on from him. There's been some rumors that Jason Kidd or Tyrone Luke could pro- pro- you know, possibly get that job. I, I could actually see that because both of them have experience coaching superstars. Both of them, that wouldn't be their first gig. I know Jock Vaughn had about a year or so at another team, but um, it, it just depends, Theus. I don't know everything. I think with just the situation that we have in our country and then with COVID, that hurts the NBA financially with salary caps and how, how to plan for the future. It's just going to be difficult. I know getting getting Kyrie and getting KD, that was such a huge coup, and especially the development that Brett Brown did. Brett Brown obviously isn't the best tactician. We've talked about this a little bit. Basketball by association Absolutely. has done um, a lot of talking about that. And, <laughs> you know, he, he was a player's coach, and he did help develop skill at least. So I, I don't know. It, it, it depends. Um, I don't know. It just depends what the Nets want. I mean... It, it seems, Bob, too, like you were mentioning earlier about, you know, building those relationships and some of the, if it, having younger coaches like, like with, in New Orleans, I think that will be the key thing because that's what Teron Lue did for Kyrie Irving in Cleveland. Uh, he kind of mentioned that he said, that, you know, I was, he kind of used that example. Teron Lue played basketball in, in where you were at, Bob, at Nebraska. Uh, you know, it was a guy that actually averaged, I think, 20 points a game his senior year at Nebraska. And then when he got to the NBA, uh, I think he said he never scored something. I don't remember the exact stat, but he never even took 20 shots in a game maybe for his career. And he, he talked to Kyrie, uh, Kyrie kind of about just being a point guard and playing fast and things that Kyrie had never really heard to that effect that, you know, Toronto basically built that relationship and mentorship with him on that level and that's the same thing that maybe some of these you know, kind of like the college football field uh, how all these teams want younger offensive coordinators to relate to their players the yeah. same thing in the NBA if you get a younger minded coach that is able to come and be transparent uh, and relate to the younger athlete younger players and they be willing to buy into their systems and their you know offensive and defensive strategy yes I, I do think that Getting a younger coach could be good for that roster because besides Zion, you have other players that are within their first few years of the league. But again, these guys are, are what traditional college players would have been being 22, 23 years old because they were one and done players. I do think that could be beneficial. We would have to see what Adrian Griffin decides to do with that um, roster. Um, it, it depends. Are you you saying Adrian Griffin for uh, 
for the Bulls roster? Or is he? Is he? Because I thought about in this case. If I'm wrong, I believe he was oh, out of the running I because of a spoke. I, uh, their GM out there who was with LeBron and uh, Brooklyn. No, the the one from uh, the one who's on the one who worked with LeBron right now. He's with the Pelicans. Uh, are you? I'm, I'm drawing a blank there. The, is it the agent? The guy that turned agent or whatnot? Miller? I think that's it. We'll do our research off the air, but we'll figure that David one out. David Griffin. Uh, there we go. David Griffin. David Griffin, right. He's the president of basketball operations, and Tarjan Langdon is their general manager right now. Wait a minute. So, wait a minute, Bob. You can't butcher the Alaskan assassin's name, sir. The, the original J.J. Reddick before J.J. Reddick, Bob. Tra- Trajan Langdon. <laughs> wow, it's bad enough. I, I couldn't remember Quinn Snyder. Huh? We might have to do a lot of editing on this podcast. <laughs> no, there's no editing, Bob. This is unedited, unfiltered. I mean, we, we could be both recording in in uh, Malcolm, Nebraska on the beach for all we know. They, no one, the listeners don't know. You know, the other thing you wanted to touch upon were some of the young players that we have in this league. I think you had four. Luka Doncic, Jason Tatum, Zion Williamson, and Trey Young, of who would be the best person to build a new franchise around. Who would you Yeah, listeners, make sure that you guys, you know, listening on anchorfm.com, the Facebook page, and Instagram, make sure you send your voicemail messages to us. And we want to know who you would build your franchise around. Uh, I, I know we kind of wanted to go with the younger tier outside of Kawhi and Giannis and those suches. But the, the guys have come into the league in the last three to four years. Well, what would you say, Bob? Well, how would you rank that if you had to build a franchise? It's so tough because all those guys are really, really talented. Again, I might have to go with size on this. With You know, Luka is 6'7". And he's, he's a better defender than a lot of people give him credit for. He'd probably be the top one because being at 21 years old, I, th- I do think he is the second youngest one here. And he he just plays so well. I, I might give it to him. But a close second might be Jason Tatum because just how he's improved his handles. He was mentored by Kobe. And he has a killer yes. instinct. And, I mean, just to see him score on, like, four different levels on the court, you know, he could drive – mid-range three free throw line he he i don't know it just seems like he could be one of those again high volume but efficient scorers and i mean you need that in the league they might be my top two i'm a big zion fan but he's had injury issues or at least concerns um and then with trey young i'm a fan of his game but with his very porous defense uh, it seems like sometimes too he he plays for stats I know that might be unfair to say, but I, I think I've read some older players think. I think that's true. Yeah. And, that's a fair assessment. And, and he, uh, it just seems like just with poor defense that, and then his size being at 6'2", um, we know like smaller players usually don't age a, as well. When you lose that athleticism, people could just, you know, shoot, get by you easier. I, again, I, I think Luca and, and Tatum would probably be the, the best two in my opinion. Bob, maybe you can help me realize something. I know I always appreciate your analytic uh, assessments of the game. And I watch Luka Doncic and I watch James Harden and I see many similarities. And I see 
the media and I see fans crucify and ridicule James Harden for his defense, for different things. And as I mentioned on the last podcast, I don't like to compare much of players and eras, but I see much of James Harden's game in Luka Doncic from Luka, you know, copying the step back to doing different things. But what, I mean, Bob, I'm confused about what defense do people see Luka Doncic play? Um, I don't, I think a lot of people think he's very poor and it might be because they think that he's the slow. I, I, I think that's a fair assessment, Bob. I've never seen, I can't say I've ever seen Luka Doncic even get in a passing lane for a steal. I can't recall Luka blocking a shot. I mean, I can't recall Luka standing in front of his man. So I'm, I'm always perplexed by the narrative that he's this athletic person that, I mean, outside of his shiftiness, yeah, he's a very creative and fluid player. Sure. But I, I would guess the venture that I don't know if Luka could jump over a telephone book. I mean, <laughs> well, Luka, I guess. I'm not, I'm not seeing Luka, you know, jump from the dotted line on anybody. Sure. I'm just confused by that. He... Um, looking at his stats right now, Luca this year had did average a steal a game and have more than eight defensive rebounds a game. So he, I mean, he's at least good at getting the ball. And we do know that a lot of people can't shoot in the NBA, Bob. It's easy to stand. <laughs> Charles Barkley said you get four offensive rebounds just on free throws alone, man. <laughs> his um his advanced stats, he had two point three win defensive win shares. So that means he's at least a plus defender. I mean, in a but a plus defender, how, Bob? I mean, he. Just from getting a steal a game makes you gives you a positive. But what about how? I, what you know the stat I want to see, Bob? I want to see what Luka Doncic's uh, assignment averages. The player that he's guards, I want to see what their field goal percentage is, how many points they score a game. Those, I mean, I know that when you get into the advanced stats, and it's kind of like to quote Charles Barkley again. Sometimes those are ridiculous, and this keeps jobs. If, if a guy averages. 48 rebounds for every 12 minutes he plays, but the guy only plays six minutes a night. Like, as Charles Barkley says, Bob, there's a reason he ain't playing, folks. Sure. I mean, stats are not, uh, you know, if I go out there and make a three-pointer, Bob, and I play four minutes, that means they expect me to make 12 threes in a 48-minute game. Oh, definitely. The Harden, though, he does have better metrics when it comes to defense. He has um, 3.2 defensive one shares, and his defensive... Um, plus minus is actually 1.6 and you know a lot of people do criticize James Harden he's actually also uh, average the is 2.3 steals a game um, and seven defensive rebounds so it, it's it's improving I would say you know again I know sometimes m- maybe um, he got that reputation because sometimes and you know this is coached in the NBA if you get in foul trouble and you're the last defense but you're more valuable as a scorer and it's late in the game you let the guy go through instead of drawing another foul or get sure. out of the game. And maybe some of those situations that we saw on YouTube um, five four years ago were, you know, it was that game situation without context. Well, I mean, Bob, again, I guess I'm just looking at more of the, I know we're coming up from two different points. I know you're looking at the, you know, the, the in-depth numbers. I kind of just look at the eye test sure. and I say, well, okay, you know, it's kind of the old saying that uh, I have a, my cousin, you know, Quincy had always said about Alvin Iverson, it's like, he's not really a great defender. Yes, he's on the all-defensive team, and he's, you know, he gets a lot of steals, but what does he do, Bob? He kind of sags sure. in the passing lane to get steals so he can get layups, so he can score. Uh, the same thing with a lot of guys used to get offensive rebounds. I used to see 
Antoine Walker and people like that crash the offensive boards and the people say, oh, they're really hustling. No, they're just trying to get more points. And the same thing with James Harden. He's he's playing off his guy to get steals so he can go the other way and score. And so I can't really say just because a guy gets a lot of steals or a lot of blocks, he's a great defender, he, even such like Giannis. You know, as we watched that Dallas Maverick game when the bubble restarted, how did the Mavericks get 15 dunks? Yeah. You know, Giannis only had one block, but yet today we saw him Bobby crown defensive player of the year. <laughs> and I'm not sure he is, but that's just my opinion. I mean, I don't see him out there on the team's best player locking anybody down. I don't see Luka Doncic guarding Paul George. Right? If he did, I don't think he would score 35 points. That's all I'm saying, but... Oh, I agree. I agree with you, Theus. I know sometimes advanced stats don't tell the whole story, or just traditional stats. Um, I do think just how everything's coached, they they want people to sag because if if they drive or they drive and kick, you could have maybe some recovery time, especially if you're not as athletic as the other player. Um, I think they they want to sometimes pack the paint so people are chucking threes and like you and I have talked about many times just with the criticisms we have with just bombs away shooting 70 in a game with those misses then you you get the ball and you try to score in transition so I do think they want to make it like a racetrack out there I think they're trying to think what what can we do instead of like stopping somebody maybe they're thinking we're going to try to use our defense in an offensive capacity now more traditional teams you would look at I would say the Bucks are kind of like that, though they do want to run the Heat and the Pacers. Those are some teams in the East that are a little more old school in how they defend. Do things there too. And Bob, what now? What are you looking forward to? Say, what say the um, when we restart the games? You know, whether it's this week, next week, or when the playoffs resume, if they resume, what are you most looking forward to in that second round? Um, the great Janelle Moore on a podcast I did with Basketball by Association, episode 19. She's a very astute student of the game, huge Warriors fan. But what intrigued her, and she, she called this out about six weeks ago, that she wanted to see Bam Adebayo on Giannis Antetokounmpo. And she thought that Bam, mm. with his size, his aggressiveness, his fearlessness, could disrupt Giannis a little bit. And he is one of the matchups, I think, Theus, that could potentially slow him down. We, we saw when the Bucks were kind of disjointed against the Magic or in some of these other games, when Giannis is off, the, the Bucks seem to struggle a lot. And I do think, they again, they're a team of above-average players, a lot of role players. But if he's not going and getting you 30 points, they seem almost lost out there. So if Bam... Could stymie Giannis, maybe even hold him to 20 points, even 25. I do think the Bucks can be in trouble. Yeah, even in the past two years, Bob, you've seen when they sat out, or they just, you know, they look like a lottery team. Uh, they have some nice, have nice pieces around them, but it, they don't really have a creator. I know Eric Bledsoe was there, and I, I think that was their biggest mistake, Bob. I've, I've shared that with some of my, some of the listeners that are Bucks fans and people I know that I think they should have never let Malcolm Brogdon go and should have let Bledsoe Exactly, go. they just re that would have changed the, uh, Yeah, they, that, that would change the team. Just that was poor money allocation by by the GM there. Yeah, I mean, to me, Eric Bledsoe, you know, he's a better basketball player than myself. But he's always been smoking mirrors. He came in with the Clippers. He was given this moniker as a mini LeBron because of his stature and build. 
you know, athletic prowess and everything like that, but he's never made a difference where he's been Phoenix and the Clippers and now here. It's just like he's living off a, a false moniker reputation. I think I think that's fair. He was more of a scorer when he was with the Suns and I think they've they've changed his role a little bit where he's kind of one of those guys where b- bounces off the starting lineup or as a six-man energy guy off the bench. Um, and it just seems like giving him four years, and I believe it was 70 million extension, when you know you have to resign Giannis. They did give that money to Chris Middleton, but then there was no money left over for Brogdon, who again is younger, taller, more athletic. That I, That was just a curious choice. Yeah, and they had an energizer come off the bench. The young man, Christian Wood, who's kind of flourished in Detroit. Uh, they had to unfortunately let him go, and they kept DJ Wilson. Hopefully they'll be able to get some production out of DiVincenzo. I'm, I know I'm, I'm probably butchering his name, by from Villanova, the guy that was the Final Four MVP. Uh, Bob, I'm going to play a quick game. I know we're getting close to our cutting time here. I'm going to take a cue from uh, Quentin Richardson and Darius Miles. They play a game on their show, Bob. Knuckleheads called Start, Bench, or Cut. Uh, Bob, I'm going to give you three players, so you got to tell me who you would start, who you would bench, and who you would cut. Okay. So out of these three players, Bob, I'm going to give you Luka Doncic. I'm going to give you Dirk Nowitzki. And I'm going to give you Larry Bird. So you have to start one, cut one, and bench one. Oh, I'm starting Luka. Luka is going to represent... Whoa. <laughs> Luca's gonna revolutionize. Oh, it's Sarah. Okay, can we ask Sarah if you had something to drink tonight, Bob? No, I've I've been very clean tonight. <laughs> I, all I had was apple cider, no no alcohol in that. Are you sure there's no clean Chardonnay in the cabinet? <laughs> no, I'm very, I mean, very very sure. But Luca, he's gonna be. I think I might have to have a drink after that comment. My lord, Luca, Luca, he's gonna be a multi time MVP, him along with Giannis. Oh, oh whoa, whoa. Well, multi-MVP, Bobby's got to win one first. <laughs> He's got to even be in the conversation. But but that's what I'm projecting. I'm projecting he'll be a multi-MVP, at least two, right? And then him and Giannis are going to help lead the league into very strong times, maybe hopefully with Zion and Ja, um, once LeBron. So you're already putting Luka ahead of, ahead of Ja and ahead of, oh boy. But like, well, I mean, like, I'm hoping they would carry over the league, you know, as the new stars. But but Luca, I mean, I do think he's more athletic than Larry Bird. And just with him doing this revolutionary multi-position basketball, I mean, that's the future. Like, I would, I would start him. I would have Larry Bird on the bench. Dirk, Dirk's got to go. I'm, and fans, definitely send your voicemail messages, and, and Bob will send you the copy of all Lucas Ford dunks in his two years in the NBA. <laughs> I think there's four. Who would you? Have I think to? one was during their All Star rookie sophomore game. That may not even count. Who would? Who would you have? What was that, Bob? Who Who would you do with uh, start bench and cut? I mean, and I would have to cut Luca in that situation Ooh. because you got the Hall of Famer. Larry Legend, Larry Bird, who outside of Reggie Miller hit more clutch shots in the playoffs and won championships. Uh, you know, on a you know took his team a a, a team probably of farmers and and <laughs> coal miners in Indiana State to the NCAA championship. They get Magic Johnson and they got the NBA and won. I mean, Bird's got to be number one if a, a trend city changed the NBA. 
then I got to go with the other Hall of Famer, Dirk Nowitzki. I mean, you talk about a 1998, Bob. Bob, I think he was in the worst trade in NBA history. That's a side note. People don't remember the Milwaukee Bucks who drafted Dirk Nowitzki. Bob, do you remember who they traded him for? Uh, the late tractor trailer. Yes, the late tractor trailer. It was probably one of the nicest athletes I've ever met in person in my life. Uh, but that was probably, if you look for pound for pound, that may be the worst single trade in NBA history. And God forbid, I remember Sam Cassell. Bob, I was in high school and there was a show called The Sports Junkies. I don't know if you ever remember that. I don't think that. I know there's another show now on. I don't know if it's the same people, but and I remember Sam Cassell saying to this day that he thought Robert Tractor was going to be an all-star and he would be a dominant power forward and this and that, and he was basically discrediting Dirk Nowitzki. So, um, but yeah, I would definitely put Dirk in there. The way he changed the game, Bob, I think in the late 90s, not only with himself, but with Kevin Garnett coming straight out of high school, those two men, Dirk and KG, changed the game more than any other two players in the last 20 years. He popularized the stretch for Theus. I know, again, Luke, I mean, uh, Tony Kukoc and Detlef Shrimp, they, they were probably the first ones, but just him doing that style of basketball, more power towards the centers, they're like, we got we got to stretch back. And kind of his step back, um, like his leaning jumper, leaning step back, you know, a lot of people oh, Lord, yeah. started that. And I mean, and, and that, that's something that should be held in esteem, right, Bob? Because you don't see... I mean, you got Kevin Durant, you got LeBron James. Everybody's trying to do that one-legged fadeaway. Oh no, definitely. I think even Steph does that sometimes. And look at look at what he's done to German basketball with Maxi Kleba and um, Daniel Tice and, and some of these other guys. You have some of these guys in the league as very good players. I mean, it's exciting to see what he did. I, I still, I guess, it's unfair for me to project Luca ahead of what Dirk has done all those years. That's my feeling. But I mean. The great Dirk, I mean, 31,000 points in his career. I, I just, that's what I hate sometimes on that exercise, but it's just kind of fun to see what people value, I guess, in basketball players. Absolutely. And then, Bob McClosen, did you want to give any shout-outs to anybody? Did you want to mention anything else? Uh, I just want to shout-out to all our listeners. Uh, I hope everybody is safe during these trying times of uh, civil unrest and the pandemic, and I do appreciate you guys giving us a chance. And absolutely, folks. And in closing, we just want to, you know, pray for our country and definitely send prayers uh, to Jacob Blake's family. Uh, certainly, you know, hopefully that healing will come to his children who had to witness this travesty and horrible event. Um, we, you know, we're thankful that he is alive and in the hospital. It looks like from reports also that he will be most likely paralyzed the rest of his life. Uh, if surviving these surgeries and things goes well, but we just again, folks, you know, tonight, you know, definitely take nothing for granted. Appreciate life, appreciate any, you know, all things podcasts, anything that you can have as an outlet to continue to help teach and educate everyone, so that our society and nation uh, can be better and do better for each other. And Bob, I thank you for you know coming on again this late. I know you. A late night for you. I thank you for joining us. And then we look forward, Bob, to our episodes later this week. Well, we'll stay tuned, listeners. We don't want to let too much out. But Bob is very excited. He's hyped up. Uh, we've got some good things lined up for you guys in the next coming weeks. And, Bob, I hope you guys have a great night. Thank you for joining us for episode number four. Remember, three and a half to five, but four is less than five. <laughs>
I think, in Bob's world. And Bob, again, we want to give a shout out to Paul George for not being the Invisible Man again. Because who is the real Invisible Man? Vincent Price. Vincent Price, folks. On that, we say good night and Godspeed.